You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I was thinking, I, told, I asked Melanie, I said, what if I told you I was going to title the message tonight, What Not to Wear? And um, then Evan was giving me some interesting advice as well. Um, but if you would, go over to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 2. And I want to preach about kind of the main thrust of what Ephesians 2, 1 through 11 are dealing with, uh, a very serious subject in the Bible, a repeated subject. And and why I say uh, what not to wear is it can be a confusing uh, subject on how to clothe yourself uh, in the proper way when it comes to this um, this particular subject. All right. And so in, in Philippians 2, we're also going to be in the book of 1 Peter uh, in a little bit um, and some other verses that we'll reference. All right, so when I say, if I were to ask you tonight, what does it mean to be humble or what is humility? How would you describe humility or what it means to be humble? Any? Realistic realistic about where you stand. I think that's a, I think that's a good definition. I think it's a very good definition of humble, actually. The opposite of proud. Opposite of proud. And that's very important. That's, uh, that's very true. It is really the, op- the stark opposite of uh, uh, being proud or of pride. Also another true statement. Say that again. That's true also. That is true also. And these are some really good definitions of what it means to be humble. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And you say, well, why would you use talking about fashion and what to wear? Because the Bible says that we should be clothed with humility. And we're going to see that in just in a moment in First Peter chapter number five. Uh, but there's a couple different places where we're told to be clothed with humility. And we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as we think about it. It's kind of cool. We're going through the book of Philippians and the connection with Christmas time because when Jesus put on flesh, you know what you want to know what he did? He was clothed with humility. I mean, he was born as a servant. He was born to a poor family. Um, he was raised in a, a, a poor, uh, you know, and, and kind of, he was raised in one of those towns that have a bad reputation, like the people from it are, you know, hicks or bad people or whatever like that. And that's kind of the town Nazareth when they came back from Egypt and they went to, uh, uh, where'd they go to? Nazareth. Uh, I get Nazareth and sometimes the, the vow of the Nazarite, sometimes I get those, that you know, mental block there, but went to Nazareth. But, uh, so, but he put on, uh, uh, he, he clothed himself in humility, quite literally. And that's what, what we're going to look at tonight here. We're going to read these first 11 verses and, and talk as much as we can tonight about humility. And then, uh, and you know, whatever we don't finish, we'll finish up at another time. But the Bible says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. 
But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And isn't it interesting? What's he saying there? Let this mind be in you. You know, we've been preaching about that some on Sundays. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, I told you I was giving you fashion advice, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And just remind you that he did that for others. That's kind of the tying in of the humility as well. Verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is one of the greatest passages on humility. And so we're going to talk about humility uh, kind of in a broad sense, almost more in a topical sense. And then I'm going to come back <clears throat> uh, later and actually start looking at each verse about what was going on here in this passage. Uh, because I will tell you, just to stay in Philippians for a moment, in spite of the great love and joy and faithfulness of the Philippian church, of these, this Macedonian church, there was, some, there was still some strife that was working within. And if you remember that, we, we talked about how he, does, he doesn't point any of that out. He kind of alludes to it in chapter 1. But later on, there's a couple women that are having a disagreement in the church. And apparently people are starting to take sides with uh, one woman or the other woman. You know? And so there's this, uh, uh, some strife going on. It hasn't got to the point to where it's affecting the church greatly. That's why he doesn't really face it head on. Uh, but it's still, it's kind of an undercurrent of something going on in the church. And he's really addressing that. And that's why he's challenging them with this humility. Because you can't have discord when you're humble. If you've got hump, if, if the parties involved are living, living in a humble way and walking in humility, you're not going to have strife and envy that he warns about here. And so he talks about verses 2 and 3, the need for lowliness, which is another word for being humble, lowliness. He talks about the cause of discord. Now this is interesting. Notice what he says here. Uh, I read verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, what is strife and what's vainglory? Strife pulls someone else down. Vainglory puts oneself up. So strife and vainglory, strife is when we try to tear somebody else down. Vainglory is then when we then try to uh, lift ourselves up which is a very uh, human tactic, is it not? Uh, kids do it, uh, adults do it, and unfortunately it can get, find its way into the Christian life and even into churches, uh, tearing somebody down in order to build uh, yourself up. So strife and vainglory. Uh, in number 16, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, if you remember, they said that Moses and Aaron took... Moses and Aaron took too much upon themselves. In other words, they had too much authority. So in strife, they tried to tear Moses and Aaron down. And in vainglory, they tried to lift themselves and promote themselves. And uh, God was uh, not pleased with that at all. And there was quite the judgment that came down. But so they were an example of that in the Old Testament. Now, so the cause of discord was strife and vainglory. 
The cure for discord in the second part of verse 3 is this, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, it may seem like a simple subject. It may not sound like a very exciting subject to talk about humility. But I want to tell you tonight that, that if we can learn to practice humility and recognize humility in our lives, it's going to greatly benefit you in your walk with God, in your effectiveness in this world with whatever God called you to do. Uh, it may not sound like an important subject, but we're going to find out that it's very important to understand it and understand it properly because the truth of the matter is, I feel like most people, People do not have the correct view about humility. And so we're going to, that's why I say what not to wear. We know what it looks like to put on, uh, you know, in, in a spiritual sense or in a, uh, you know, in a sense, putting on some flashy uh, clothing to where we're, and, and I'm not talking about just regular clothes here tonight, but I'm talking about, we know what it means for somebody to be like a peacock. You know, to where everybody see, hey, see me, look at me, look at all what I'm doing. You know, we know what that looks like. And so we know, for the most part, we, we can recognize that as something that we should not wear. And I want to remind you that I'm not talking about physical clothing. Not that I'm encouraging you to dress like a peacock um, by any means. But I'm not talking about that. But here's the thing. What the, the, on the other side of that, some people think humble means that we need to drag in here with holes in, in, in our spiritual clothes and dirt and wrinkles and everything else. And uh, we think that that's what humility looks like. Guess what? That's not what you should be wearing either. Uh, what did you tell me I need to say, Evan? That outfit's just not working? I think it's, he was giving me some really good advice on the message, but that outfit's just not working. But there's a lot of Christians that wear this. Uh, I'm not going to be able to deal with all that I want to deal with tonight, but do you want to know something else that comes along with humility? Um, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm just going to give you an overview. But in 1 Peter, we're just going to see in a moment that when the Bible talks about... Go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter. Don't leave Philippians entirely, but I want you to see these verses tonight. Because these are really, really powerful verses in this regard. Now, when I was studying for the message, when I first read this verse, I, I was tempted because I was wanting to use that, that verse number 5 where it says to be clothed with humility. But I, but I wasn't wanting to include verse 7 especially. It just didn't seem to fit. But this is another principle that I'm giving you here in the way of introduction. And again, we're just going to deal with what we can deal with tonight. Um, but verse 5 says in 1 Peter 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And this goes to what he was saying there. Look everyone on the, on the things of others. Esteem others uh, more highly than yourself. And again, we're going to look at what that's saying and what it's not saying in just a moment. Be clothed with humility. Look at this. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. One of the things, I'm going to say it now, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it more in just a moment. But when we're proud, God resists the proud. God opposes the proud. When we're walking in pride and when we're walking in our own conceit, God resists that. He opposes that. In other words, you cannot have fellowship with God and be a prideful individual. And so we must have, because what does it do? He gives grace to the humble. Then it goes on to say, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. But here, look at this. Verse 7, where does this fit in? 
Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Now we're going to find out something very interesting tonight. We're going to try to find out, and as we study humility between tonight and perhaps next week, we're going to try to find out how, how those verses go together. How in the same passage is God telling us that we need to humble ourselves and cast our care on Him. And they're not separate. It goes together. Because what He's going to try to teach us is this. is A part, a part of humility is learning to trust God. See, a big part of humility, here's the thing. One of the greatest definitions, I suppose, of, and, and you all gave good ones, but another good definition of humility is this. Uh, we know that it's not saying, hey everybody, look at me. Look at me how great I am. But it's also not... Hey, everybody, look at me. Look how worthless I am. Look how terrible I am. Look how bad I am. You know, I mean, it's not whole mouthing. I mean, it's not poor mouthing. Uh, it's not that. It is, it is, it, that's not humility. Because what are we still doing? Still about me. Still about me. We can go around like this all the time. Guess who it's about? Me. Let me tell you something. A key part of humility. So number one, why is it important? It's important for a lot of reasons. God opposes you for one thing. He'll give grace to you if you're humble. And we need grace in this life, do we not? We don't need God working against us in our lives. Do you not got enough working against you? Uh, that, that you, don't, you don't need to set yourself up against God in your life. Amen? I mean, we don't need that. We've got enough problems as it is. And so, uh, but not only that, but it goes on to say this, that if we are worrying, what does it mean to cast all your care upon Him? That care, that's right, that care means our worry, our burden. Guess what? If we're worrying, we're looking at ourselves too much. If we're worrying, we are not walking in humility. And I'm going to prove that in just a minute, but those verses prove that. But I'm going to, going to try to show you uh, how, the, how that all ties in. And if I don't get over to deal with that, I hope you'll go and study it yourself and consider it yourself. Um, that I'm not just making this up, amen. You can see it for yourself. And remember, just like with anything else that I ever preach and teach, I don't want you to believe it because I'm telling it to you tonight. I want you to believe it because you see it for yourself. You can study it for yourself. So I challenge you to do that. But man, it was a pretty powerful thing, an amazing thing, when I began to study those verses and see how that tied in. Okay, so the cause of discord, the cure for discord is lowliness of mind. So I'm back in Philippians here just for a moment. Lowliness of mind. Okay, lowliness of mind, as I've already said, uh, is not false humility that depreciates acknowledgement of one's gifts. To pretend not to have abilities that we have uh, is not humility, it's hypocrisy. This is... Humility is one of the toughest subjects. It's one, it's, one, it's one of those graces, as somebody said, the moment you realize you have it, uh, you've lost it, somebody says. I mean, it, you know, if, if I was to get a show of hands, how many of you consider yourselves a humble person tonight? Uh, right? Thank you, Hannah. Uh, but you just lost it, so we'll pray for you. But that's kind of the way it goes. Thank you, though, Hannah. You really helped me. Uh, but it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing. Uh, because it's not, you know... Okay, well, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example, which I think I was probably taught in homiletics not to do. But uh, I'll just use myself as an example. 
To say, whenever I, uh, if, if I, if I'm preaching or teaching the Word of God and somebody comes and says, oh, preacher, man, that was a blessing. That message was great. You know, if anybody says something like that, you know what I would, would, would need to say? I don't need to say, oh, I know. Oh, so-and-so said it a lot better. You know, and blah, 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 blah. No, no, it wasn't that good. You know what I need to say? Praise the Lord. See, because humility does isn't, isn't that poor mouthing business, is it? Well, no, I'm not really all that good. You know, it, it, no matter what it is, I'm using preaching, but whatever it might be in your life, hey, if God has gifted you, if God's using you, uh, I mean, don't downplay that. Give God the glory. That's See, pride right. is when we take what God is doing upon ourselves, but it is not humble. We're still being, uh, we're still thinking too much about ourselves when we're not willing to just say, yeah, okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm glad God is using me because He's doing it in spite of me. Amen? And so, uh, so, so, so it's hypocrisy to have false humility. False humility is hypocrisy. Esteeming others, by the way. What does it mean to esteem others greater than yourself? You know, what does that mean exactly? Or what doesn't it mean? Esteeming others is not to consider everyone superior to ourselves. But it's to want the best for them. The true essence of humility, again, isn't thinking poorly of ourselves, but it's just not thinking of ourselves at all. So it means that I'm not just like Jesus Christ. He came, He took on the form of a servant. Everything He was doing, He was doing for others. Okay, so in a sense, in that sense, he was esteeming others better than himself. He wasn't concerned about his lot. He was just doing what he needed to do. And he was basically hoping for the best of others. Now, in Jesus case, he can affect that a little bit better. But that's kind of the idea of esteeming others better than myself. In other words, I'm not sitting around all the time thinking, man, how can I, I wish things were better in my life? How can things get better in my life? What can I and not that we don't try to improve? You know, again, there's another scale on that. But the thing is, is I'm just not thinking that much about myself, but I'm sure thinking about, hey, you know, you, you hear about somebody getting a raise, you hear about somebody gets a brand new car, you hear about somebody, whatever, and you're over here and you're just thinking, man, I'm like two payments behind, you know, and they've got this paid for. Well, but when you esteem somebody else more than yourself, you say, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So thinking about your, you know, trying to make things better for yourself doesn't mean that you don't try to, you know, Maybe cut some of your spending in some other areas that could be cut out or whatever the case might be that you need to do. Uh, but so, so you want to better yourself in that way. But the point is, you're not always just trying to be uh, better in that sense. You can rejoice when others are blessed and you can hope that your life can help be a blessing to other people. So the Bible has a lot to say about a humble mind. Uh, humility, as I've already said, is that grace that when you know you have it, you lost it. The truly humble person knows and accepts himself. And that goes, I believe, to what Kurt was saying. The truly humble person knows and accepts themselves. In other words, they can, they're okay. Whatever gift God has given us, uh, we can rejoice in that, not take credit for it. Uh, whatever we don't have, we're okay with that. You know, I, I always think about, man, you ever think, especially, it would be good for any preacher, but man, for these preachers that are starting churches and stuff, man, I used to think that some of these preachers I know, they can preach the house down. Then they can get up and sing. 
And then they play an instrument or a two or three or four. And I'm like, man, that's not fair. And I'm not really like that. I'm not. You know what? I'm, I'm glad for them. And I can esteem them. And I could say, that's great. I don't have to sit around and say, well, they don't sing that good. They don't sing as good as old so-and-so sings, you know, or whatever. I mean, uh, it doesn't have to be like that. So, uh, but, but so, so humility. Uh, so knowing who we are and, being, and accepting who we are in Christ. Uh, a humble person yields himself to Christ to be a servant and to use what he has for the glory of God and for the good of others. And others is the key, one of the key words throughout chapter number two of Philippians. The believer's eyes are turned away from himself and focus on the needs of others. Now, the Bible talks about a submissive mind. That does not mean that the believer is at the beck and call of everybody else. Uh, he's not a religious doormat. Some people try to purchase friends and maintain church unity just by giving in and uh, agreeing and going along with everybody else's whims and wishes. That is not what's being taught in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says that we could, should consider ourselves, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 5 says, our servants for Jesus' sake. So why are we doing what we're doing? It's for Jesus' sake. And I may be doing it for you, but is it benefiting uh, the cause of Christ? Is it being a blessing to you? I want to share a couple other verses with you about the mind. Uh, the Bible says in Acts 20, verse 19, uh, the Bible says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and longsuffering. And I remind you, once again, he's saying put this on. Wear this. Be intentional about this. What are you wearing? Jesus is teaching about the need for humility. And so as he does this, he gives some examples uh, in, his, in the Gospels when Jesus was preaching on the earth. He gave a good example in Luke 18. Now you can turn over there if you like. It's Bible study. Why not turn over there? Uh, get your uh, pages unstuck and turn over there to Luke 18 and we'll look at these verses. And I know you still got your place there in 1 Peter and that's where we're going to wrap up uh, tonight. But in Luke 18... It'll be a familiar story to some of you, but it's a, it's a good story of humility. Jesus in Luke 18, verse number 10 says, Two men went up to, into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a publican. And what was a publican? A tax collector. Uh, and it was usually a Jewish person that was a tax collector and they were normally considered a traitor because they were taking money for the Roman government and they were normally crooked. Uh, and so this publican is not a republican, okay? Uh, it's, it's two different things usually. Uh, the, Pharisee, the Pharisee stood, and I love the way Jesus words this. Uh, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. <laughs> I love the way Jesus puts that. Prayed thus with himself. That's who he was praying to. He didn't, but here's what he says. God I thank thee. It's starting off good. I thank thee. I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Boy, he had that eye disease. He was looking at I and me. and I'm glad I'm not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. 
And I believe this man was praying out loud. That's how Jesus knew what he was saying. Of course, Jesus didn't hear, need to hear him to know. But, and, he, and here's this publican over here praying beside him. And he says, and Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I'm not like this man. Uh, and, uh, and then he goes on to say, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So that was him praying with himself. In other words, it didn't get too far. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So that's one of Jesus' stories about humility. Now, one of the men that was familiar with the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning humility was Peter. And so now we're going to look in 1 Peter. When, when Peter was a disciple following Jesus around, he heard the Lord preach and teach about humility. He saw Jesus demonstrate humility. Does anybody remember uh, uh, one of there's many times, but one of the times that Jesus gave a, uh, he gave a visual, if you will, of what it meant to be humble. That's exactly right. When he washed the disciples' feet in John 13. Because the reference here in 1 Peter is to what Peter saw happen in John 13. In John 13, the disciples entered into a house. They all come in. Now it was customary uh, for... If, if people would sometimes have servants, if you come into the house in the east, they would, they would have someone come and wash your feet. Clean your feet off. It was kind of a practical thing. You've been walking around uh, the, the dusty, sandy desert and your feet get real bad. And so they would, it would just be a thing. And now if it was a person that didn't have a servant, perhaps they would do it themselves. But here it is. They came into the house and the disciples all knew that somebody needed to wash these feet. It, something needed to be done. And I, I tease, I tease sometimes at work, and uh, I, I remember I was walking past this uh, aisle on the back of um, back of I, I believe it was uh, for Jennifer I uh, But anyway, I was walking on the back the, the back of the aisle back there, and there was this tote that was sticking out. Everything's supposed to be nice and flush right inside of here, but man, this thing was sticking out about this far, and there's only about this much room to walk, this blue bin was sticking out about this far, and, I, and I, would, I would walk through there, I was putting stuff away or whatever, and I'd think, man, somebody needs to fix that thing. <laughs> you know? And I mean, and, and, I would come, and I wasn't working in that area normally, I would just pass through there every once in a while, and I would see it again, somebody needs to, and you know what I finally said to myself, you know what, I'm going to be somebody today. I'm going to be somebody uh, and, and ever since then, that's what I think about a lot of times. I say, I'm going to be somebody because somebody ought to do that. Amen. Um, and, I, and I like now, and some of you do a little bit better than somebody because you do we. Amen. We ought to do this, right? Uh, but somebody ought to do it. Well, so the disciples are sitting around saying, somebody probably should wash these feet. But they, guess what they were thinking? It hadn't been too long ago that they were having an argument which of them would be the greatest. Yeah. Right? And so, who's going to wash these feet? Then here proceeds Jesus to go and He, he takes off His outer robe and he, he puts on the servant's garment and He gets that pot and He puts water and He puts a cloth and the whole time the disciples are sitting there like, oh man, 
The Lord is doing this. The Lord is doing the work of the servant. The Lord is doing the work that nobody else is willing to do. See, there's not a whole lot of glory in washing the feet. There's not a lot of glory in being the servant. There's not a lot of credit in that. These guys were arguing about who's sitting on the throne beside Jesus. Not who's washing feet. All right? And so Jesus puts on, he, 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 he looks like a servant and he gets that bowl. And the whole time, you know, you know the disciples are starting to think to yourself, oh boy. So Jesus goes around and you, can you imagine? Here's the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of all glory, walking around with the wash basin. And he comes to this disciple. And he unlatches his shoes and he starts washing his feet. And he drives and he comes to this disciple. And you remember what happened when he came to Peter? <laughs> He's like, Lord, no, you're, you can't, you're not washing my feet. <clears throat> By the way, I've heard that, uh, that, that when it comes to having a foot wash, and we're going to have that right here after the service. I hope everybody's ready. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, but I, know, I know of churches that do foot washings, and I don't believe there's anything wrong with doing that. I really don't. I've got a friend of mine that uh, was uh, in a foot washing church like that, and one, him, and, him and one of his buddies from church. Now, he had come from a church like that to where they'd wash feet like every fifth Sunday or whatever. It's what they would do. And uh, he, he, he and one of the other young men of the church uh, met up at the church early before service and just got together praying. And man, they just got to praying and got, got excited about God and, and just about the things of God. And this fellow with this foot washing background says, Brother, I'm going to wash your feet. We're going to have a foot washing. I'm going to wash your feet. You're going to wash my feet. And so he runs into the kitchen and he gets a bucket and he comes out there and, uh, and there is a brother Eric sitting there. He, he's pastoring down in Georgia now. And he's sitting there and, and about that time it's starting to dawn on him. He had fallen asleep on that Sunday afternoon and one of his nieces had come over and painted his toenails. <laughs> but by the time he saw it, he didn't have time to fool with getting it off. He just put his shoes off and so there is brother Earwood. I'll just tell you who it was. There's brother Earwood. He takes off brother Eric's shoe and sock and just looks down there at those painted nails and just kind of looks up there at him. But I've heard that in those foot washings, I've never been a part of one, but I've heard that the most difficult side of that is to have your feet washed. That's the humbling part. That's the t it's hard enough maybe to wash somebody's feet, but to allow somebody to wash your feet. And so I can understand when Peter said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. There's no way. And he says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. Well, then Peter changed his mind real quick as he was apt to do it. He just said, Lord, not my feet, but my head also. Just, you can, I mean, I, if, it's, if it's being with you. And, but that was the way Peter was. And so then Peter goes on and in this epistle, he said, we need to be clothed with humility. You know what picture he was presenting there? He was, he was thinking back about the Lord coming and washing his feet. He was thinking about the Lord becoming a servant. Folks, and that's the idea, and that's why, and that's really, if you think about it, a lot of what's being talked about in Philippians chapter 2. But that's even a greater, uh, that's even an earthly illustration again of what he did when he came in the flesh to be a servant. And so, what the challenge of humility is, and all this submitting to others and, and esteeming others and submitting one to another, it's just simply that. It's just simply being willing to serve someone else. Am I going to get any credit for it? No. May God help us not to do one thing in this church to get credit for it. 
I believe that we ought to try to remember to recognize and, and let people know how much we appreciate what they've done. I know that I don't do that enough. We've got just the greatest people here that do so much serving in this church. And, and, uh, but I'm so glad that they do not do it for a pat on the back. They don't do it for a re- You know what? They're just doing it for the Lord. Amen. I, they're not doing it trying to be humble. They're just serving the Lord. And that's what this humility is. It's not about what I can get. At. It's not about whether I want to do it or not. It just needed to be done. So somebody did it. Um, and, and, and no, it wasn't convenient for Jesus to dress down and become a servant. It wasn't convenient for Jesus to leave heaven and come die on the cross. But He did it anyway. He did it anyway. You ever, you ever think about doing for something for somebody and be like, well, they don't deserve that. I'll do it for somebody that deserves it. Think about who Jesus did it for. Amen. Uh, people that didn't deserve it. And so that's the picture that he's given here. So again, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5. The Bible says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So what we see here is simply this. The Bible says we need to be humble. The Bible says we need to humble ourselves. How do we do that? Because that's important. Be clothed with humility. When you put your clothes on, uh, you know, you may look at me and not think I was very intentional about putting my clothes on tonight and about what I put on, but we put on clothes intentionally. I mean, there's a certain way. We have to, you know, we, we, we put our pants on, we put our shirt on, we put our jackets on, we put whatever. I mean, it's very intentional to get dressed and to clothe ourselves. Um, you know, maybe some of you, I don't know about you, but I, I start off to work fairly early in the morning. So a lot of times I like to set out the night before what I'm wearing tomorrow. I, I want to have it planned because in the morning uh, I, I want to be able to, you know, I want to just be able to hit start on the coffee maker. I just want to be able to uh, not think about what I'm going to wear. I've, I've got it set over there already. We well, you know what? We need to be planning on what we're going to wear tomorrow. Amen. Uh, and we need to be planning already that we're going to be clothed in humility tomorrow. Okay, think about that. And we're going to have to kind of connect some of these dots later. But think about how much better our marriages would be if we would humble ourselves. If we would humble ourselves. Think about how better of parents we would be if we would humble ourselves. How much better that we would be just in serving Christ in general if we could just humble ourselves. And see, that's the thing. The blessing of humbling ourselves seems like it goes out there to everybody else. I'm serving other people and it just seems like everybody, you know, that, that I'm just benefiting other people. But I'm telling you, in doing so, God will bless us as well. And so... I'll give you the outline real quick and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back at a, you know, perhaps next week and try to talk a little bit more about what it means as we consider humility. Uh, but number one, we see the requirement of humility. Verse 5, he says, we need to all be clothed with humility. There's no exceptions. Who's the youngest person in here tonight? Whoever it may be, Jennifer, Melanie, all right. Uh, God is telling you, Nakia, perhaps, uh, God is telling you, maybe Hannah, uh, God is telling you, you need to humble yourself. You need to be clothed with humility. All of us. So from the youngest to the oldest, which I think would probably be Bud. Amen. He's proud of it. Looking good, Bud. Uh, and, 
Uh, I'm hoping by the time I'm his age, I can grow a beard like that. But uh, so far, it's not working out for me too good. But the point is this, the requirement of humility. We're, uh, no one is exempt. We, all are, we are all called upon to be clothed with humility. Uh, and that, that's from the, the preacher on down. That's, that's why God's way of serving is servant leadership. If you're going to be a leader in this church, you've got to be willing to serve. You've got to be willing to, to, to work without, again, without looking for praise and glory. And again, thank God for when people you know, are, are appreciative. But that cannot be the motive. But so the requirement of humility. Um, someone, uh, I believe it was Dan, mentioned that humility is the opposite of pride. Is that right, Dan? You say that? Uh, I want to say a couple things about what pride is not. Uh, because pride is the opposite of humility. Pride is not a good self-image. Pride is not a good, healthy self-image. The Bible says that a man ought not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But it doesn't say that we ought not think... Uh, it, doesn't mean that, it doesn't say that we should think poorly of ourselves. In other words, we need to think highly of ourselves. Just not more highly than we ought to think. How can, how can we think, how can we have a good self-image? I'll tell you how I can have a good self-image. Psalm 139. If you don't know it, get to know it. You know what? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, you could stand to be taller. Well, I'm not taller. This is the way God made me. Amen. Uh, you could send this or that or whatever else. You know, uh, your face is kind of funny. Well, I, you know what? This is the face God gave me. I'm fine with it. All right. I mean, uh, whatever it may be, I need to have a good, uh, a healthy self-image. Uh, God made you. Oh, I'm too short. I'm too big. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too bald. I've got too much hair. Uh, whatever your problem is. Uh, listen, you need to have a healthy self-image. Uh, don't allow, and I mean, this, this goes, I mean, it, we I always want to talk to the, the young people, but it applies to all of us. Listen, girls, you don't have to look like some Barbie uh, or some one of these uh, ridiculous movie stars. And it goes for the same for you, man. That doesn't mean that we ought not try to be healthy. It doesn't mean that we ought not try to take care of ourselves and all of that. But we don't need to look. You, you, your body just might, you might not just have the build to be one of these girls that they say this is what beauty really is. That's hogwash. That really is. I mean, you need to know that God made you and God doesn't make mistakes. I do encourage you. Be as healthy as you can be and all that. Take care of yourself. But, I mean, to me, that's a, that's a part of it as well. But don't. Don't just go thinking you've got to look this certain way. God gave you the body that you have. And if the Creator is the one that gave you that body, guess what? You need to be happy with it. Amen. You need to be alright with it. And no matter what anybody else says, when this world's screaming at you and saying, you know, whatever is pointing out whatever supposedly isn't right with you, you need to just be able to brush that off and say, you know what? God gave me this. Amen. This is what he did. And therefore, I can have a healthy self-image and I can be okay with that. Girls, boys, men, women. Uh, so uh, so have, a, have a good self-image. Pride is not having a healthy self-image. It really isn't. Humility, again, is not thinking lowly of ourselves. Uh, it's not thinking of ourselves at all. Pride is not uh, being, being grateful for a job well done. 
That's a legitimate question. Have your kids ever asked you that? You're trying to discourage them from pride and then, then you turn around and say, hey, you need to take some pride in your work. You need to take some pride in the way you look and present yourself. Oh, well, I thought you, you know, I mean, and... Well, what is it? okay, we call that pride, and it is pride, but that's not a sinful pride. It goes along with the healthy self-image. There is nothing wrong with saying, by golly, I'm the one that's doing this job today. And when somebody, when I'm done with this job, I want to be, when somebody comes and says, hey, Jesse, did you do this? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because I know I did my best. I know that I put my stamp on it. I know that I tried to do all for the glory of God. Therefore, there's nothing wrong with taking pride in your work. That is not the sinful kind of pride. There's nothing taking pride in, in, uh, in the way you present yourself. You know, well, I don't want to wash my face because then I might, my, you know, people might think I'm being proud. No, God gave you this body. You need to take care of it. Amen. I mean, you don't have to go around smelling like a chili dog with onions or something and saying, you know, because I don't want to smell good because then maybe I'll be prideful. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, there's not. You need to take some pride in yourself. In other words, we do represent the Lord. We represent our families. And so we need to do that well. And, you know, and I'm telling you, I, I, I'm not going down that road, but because uh, I need to stop. But so what I'm talking about pride and, and, and some of these things, what pride is not pride is not a good self image. Pride is not being grateful for a job well done or presenting oneself in a way in, in a respectable manner. Uh, Trey, you and I had this conversation before church tonight. I hate tucking my shirt in. I'm telling you right now. And I know some of you are saying, untuck it. Don't tempt me. Amen. I told him, I said, I tuck my shirt in two days a week, Sundays and Wednesdays. And I cannot wait to get these stupid tails out. And it's partly because of my waistline, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but I just don't like tucking my shirt in. But he's a Marine. And he's like, man, I always tuck my shirt in. You know, and, 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 and uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> Presenting yourself, amen. What not to wear? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. Um, what is pride? Pride is an attitude of independence from God. It's a spirit of ungratefulness to God. Um, pride is esteeming ourselves better than others. Now, again, uh, I want to do the best job I can possibly do, but it's not me trying to the strife and the, uh, the, the haughtiness of pulling somebody else down in order to lift myself up. Uh, indicators of a proud person. A proud person becomes irritated when corrected for mistakes. A proud person becomes irritated when corrected for mistakes. Now, there may be a little bit of wiggle room on that, perhaps. But I'm telling you, I do know one thing. The Bible says that a scorner hateth reproof. Yeah. Now, it, it might irritate us if we've got somebody that we just feel like nitpicking us all the time. But if it's just a simple, hey, would you mind doing this way or that way or next time? What do you mean? I wasn't good enough for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, why can't we just be humble and say, OK, yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do better next time. Um, a proud, a proud person becomes irritated when corrected for mistakes. I, I'm trying to stop. Uh, and somebody says, please do a proud person accepts praise for things over which he or she has no control. You sure are good looking. Yes, I am. 
You know, there's an old song. It wasn't a gospel song, but it said it's hard to be humble when you're me, you know, uh, when you're like me. And uh, you, you know what? Guess what? You might be good looking, but who made you good looking? You might be athletic, but who made you athletic? You can't take any credit for that. Amen. I mean, listen, whatever it is, you can't take person. You can't take credit over things that you don't have control over. I mean, and, and, and if, you're, if you're doing something for God, hey, that was a beautiful song you sang today. That was so beautiful. You did a good job. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah. Not, yes, I did, boy. I'm, I, think, I'm, I think I'm the best singer in the church now. You know, or whatever. And that's ridiculous. Uh, and believe me, I struggle with that every week. Amen? But I, uh, no, I really don't. I promise you that. Uh, okay, a proud person has an ungrateful spirit for all that God has done. A proud person has an ungrateful spirit for all that God has done. Do you have trouble coming up with reasons to give thanks? Do you have trouble coming up with praises? You know, I mean, a proud person has an ungrateful spirit for all that God has done. Then lastly, on what the indicators of a proud person, a proud person often finds himself in competition with others. There's good competition. But it don't have to be on every little thing. It don't have to be on, you know, things that don't... Uh, it, it definitely doesn't need to be in, in spiritual things. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've done old so-and-so today. You ought to get in these preachers' fellowships. Man, pride, it's tough. Mm. Uh, I mean, man, you, you, you want to be the main preacher. You come to the, a preacher's fellowship and, and, and they don't have a, a scheduled amount of preachers as a pastor sometimes. Man, you want to be the one that gets called on to preach. And you want to be the keynote speaker and all this stuff. And you're sitting there thinking, I hope he bombs out. <laughs> they'll see how good of a message I, I have. And then they'll, I mean, you say, have you ever thought nothing like it? Something like it? Yeah. But I mean, not really. Yes, I have probably. Okay, confession time. <laughs> but listen, I'm telling you, you can struggle with uh, pride. You can struggle with strife and you can struggle with vainglory, even as a preacher. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so, uh, so quickly here, and I, was, I know I've said quickly a thousand times, but uh, number one, the required of humility is what we'll look at out of uh, First Peter next time. The reward for humility, the Bible says that God will exalt you in due time. Uh, and then also the road to humility, the pathway to humility is learning to cast uh, your cares upon him. That verse, here's the thing about that verse. We, one of the things, one of the key things we always teach about Bible, uh, about Bible study and about the Word of God in general is context. We all like to use that verse, or many of us do, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. But we want to take it out of context. Because first he said, we humble ourselves and we're casting our care upon him. And so, you say, you, let me get back and at least close with that part because I started with it and I'll try to close with it because some of you are still maybe thinking about that. Why is worrying counterproductive to humility? The reason it is, is because I'm being too prideful to turn it over to God. I'm being too prideful just to trust the Lord with it. I'm being too prideful to, 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 to acknowledge and say, you know what, God, you said you would take care of this. It don't have to be me. Because that's usually, worry usually comes because we're trying to figure it out rather than just say, you know what, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. So can you see how worry is prideful? I'm not turning this over to God. Are you kidding me? What if things go bad? 
I'm not turning this over to God. I'm not going to trust tomorrow with God. What would I worry about? You know, if I didn't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, you know, and so, uh, so I, I challenge you on that. Not trying to pick on you, but I'm just trying to encourage you uh, that you can trust the Lord. I promise you, He's got your best interest at heart. He cares about you. He loves you. Uh, 